This episode is brought to you by Pittsburgh Comics, recently named one of the best comic book stores by the Pittsburgh City Paper. Pittsburgh Comics is the premier comic shop in the South Hills of Pittsburgh, located in McMurray, conveniently near Route 19 and Route 79. Pittsburgh Comic carries a large collection of new and back-issue comics, trade paperbacks, graphic novels, games, statues, action figures, and more. Don't forget Comics Perks. With the Comics Perks program, you can earn points on every purchase you make in the store. You get a point for every dollar spent, and every 100 points can be redeemed for $10 off a future purchase. Go to PittsburghComics.com for more, or follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The comic book pit? Okay. We are recording officially. What? This is our our one summer episode. Yeah. <laughs> summer uh, comic book pit summer break edition. <laughs> we're 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 both recording from camp. Yeah, you know the it's like the all the mandates have been lifted, so we went outside. I think that's what happened. <laughs> you know. I think that we we were allowed. We were like, let's go. Sorry to everyone that wanted to talk comics. That's right. <laughs> Jared's probably at a baseball game. I bet if he if he's missing this, uh, so. he could be. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the schedule is this week, but he could be. It's very possible. Yeah, it's been um it's been a good summer so far for for uh sports and outdoor stuff it's been hot little rainy but the weather is getting better this week so that's good yeah so and that's your weather report from wcbp yeah, yeah. <laughs> wcbp radio the fm yeah back to you in the studio it's dan yeah. and the duke <laughs> yeah. your, for your morning radio drive and here is foreigner with it feels like the first time yeah yeah <laughs> Dan, 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 do, do, do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, rock and roll. <laughs> All right. This is not morning drive radio. This is nah, yeah. the comic book pit. And it's episode 386. I'm Dan. And I'm the Duke, a.k.a. The Scott. That's right. A.k.a. the Toymaster General. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a story for here another to repair, time. Here to repair your toys. There you go. That 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 that. There you go. That's your business name, the Toy Master General. That's a good name. Yeah. There you go. You have that one for free. See, I I said that I I, I said that that you are good at coming up with good names. <laughs> I told I told uh, Evan and Ray that the other day. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll you take are it. good with good names. Thank you. I was like, don't don't try to steal any. Um, you know, Berg influenced, <laughs> you know, from Dan because he will outdo you. You know, yep. Berg influenced names. 
it's a it's a you got they're like really and i'm like comic book pit (laughs) (laughs) like come on that's all you got to say comic book pit that's 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 our you know it's our claim to fame yes we're uh we're back and just wanted to say we wouldn't be here without our amazing sponsors i just wanted to give a shout out uh to new dimension comics uh one of our great sponsors and we like to keep you updated with uh, different events they have going on just to let you know that they have a sale at their Butler store on August 7th, celebrating 20 years in Butler. It's crazy. Uh, 50% off all dollar books, 10% off all games, toys, and graphic novels. Some exclusions may apply. Also, another thing... It's, it's not a sale per se, but it's going on indefinitely. And maybe I mentioned this last year because uh, they, they first came up with this thing called the Comic Clearance Cave. And oh. it's, a, it's in a kind of very nondescript location in Elwood City, maybe like a, a few blocks away from their Elwood City store. Mm-hmm. What it is, is it's, it's an old... VFW building that is uh, no longer obviously a VFW building. It's actually either owned or leased by new dimension comics. And what they do is literally every Saturday this year until it gets too cold to be there because the building is not heated. You can dig for 25 cent comics all day. Well, it's, it's uh, just literally, it's a building full of long boxes and they're all 25 cents each. Wow. And that's, that's literally every Saturday at the VFW comic cave in Elwood city. Uh, the hours are actually noon to five and they're 25 cents each or for $70, you can fill a long box. Oh, wow. That you is know what? I pretty think- cool. That is cool. I think I did go there one time, but it was cold. It was definitely in the fall, like late fall mm-hmm. or something, and it was very cold. But we had a good time digging. And there are a couple of things to keep in mind. Like I said, first of all, it's not heated, but that also means in the summer there's no AC. So you, so no matter when you go there, you got to dress appropriately. Second thing, pretty sure there's no electricity in the building, so. Now, there is a fair amount of natural light that comes in. They did encourage people to bring flashlights if needed or like use a flashlight on your phone. I didn't feel that was necessary when I was looking for comics, but you know, if you go there on a cloudy day, you might. Also, no bathrooms. So either empty yourself before you get there or make sure you can, you know, if, if you have to take a break, make sure you put your comics somewhere safe while you go to the bathroom. And I'm pretty sure they only do cash at that location. I think you're right. It's like there's a bouncer at the door and you pay him on your way out. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) So those are all things to keep in mind. If you decide to go to the comic cave at the VFW, it is a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's kind of bizarre. It's kind of like, it's one, definitely one of those situations where you got to have this pure innate love of comic books to just sit there and dig through the worst of the worst boxes of comics 
I, I shouldn't right. say the worst of the worst because I came out of there. I, I think when I went last year, I, I took my brother-in-law with me. He only found a couple of things, but he's not really a big comic book guy. He just went just for something to do because we were still in law. It was still technically locked down, but like mm. people were doing things masked and, you know, safely and stuff. He just wanted right. to go do something. So I invited him to this and I, I probably came home with, I don't know, 20 or 30 comics, you know, maybe even That's more. I made mean, a quarter a piece. Yeah. You know. So it's not even a $10, $10 bill. Right. So. It, it might've even been more. Cause I, I, I think I spent nearly 20 bucks. So, the, oh, it, there you so go. then I guess it must've been way more than 20 or 30 comics, but you did well. Yes. But yeah, so I would, you know, if, if, if you love the thrill of the hunt, the thrill of finding that potential diamond in the rough, and if you love to do it on the cheap, like I said, the, the VFW Comic Cave is the place to go. Every Saturday, 12 to 5, check it out. Scott, I'll see you there. <laughs> not this weekend. Uh, no, not this weekend. This weekend, I think we're, well, we're, I'm setting up there. I think you guys are coming just to shop, right? Yep. We got the, we'll be chopping at the Two Groovy Toy Show. Yep. In Munhall. Pretty easy to find if you're looking for it online. Two Groovy, Two Groovy Toy Show. Yeah, it's a it, awesome. it's a fun show. Um, they obviously didn't have it last year because of the lockdown. We went the year before, and it's a lot of fun. It's just toys. <laughs> it's just toys. it's just a nice small toy show. It's not crazy. I think this year there may only be. I think last year there were probably or two years ago maybe there were like. Maybe like fifty vendors. Yeah, I think this year, I think they've they've cut that significantly because they wanted to space out everybody. They, oh, okay. Um, I saw a picture that they posted a picture of the table setup of the show uh, that they posted it this week, and you can see they made like nice big wide aisles for people to walk, and there's there's a lot of space in between vendor tables, so like. You're not like, you know, sometimes you, you set up at one of these shows and your neighbor behind you, you guys are so close. You're practically like, you know, sharing a snack. Yeah. You guys are like literally back to back. This one, this time it looks like you could, you you know, you could almost walk like two people shoulder to shoulder in between all the vendor tables. So. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's a good show. Like just for anybody that wants to, you know, really enjoy some casual shopping too for some old toys. I mean, it's it's a it's so good. Yeah, we will definitely be there. So let me ask Scott, as our as our resident toy guy, uh, do you have a uh, do you have an agenda? Is there is there anything you're looking for? What's your what, what's your what's what's the one thing you want to you want to find at a toy show these days? I don't even know anymore because I. So I did. I did give you the the, the backstory on like because I collect vintage Star Wars, and there's there's very few items left that I actually need to still acquire at some point, and like any of those would be like a Grail, you know, like the Grail piece, you know, mm-hmm. like you find, but like um the blue the blue Snaggletooth figure is probably, you know, my unicorn, you know, right mm-hmm. now that I'm trying to chase. So if I see one, you know, but but like the prices on 
online are outrageous and i just i just really don't want to pay that you know the crazy numbers they are now but you never know like at a toy show you don't know like somebody might be like i just people are like hey i don't like the prices on ebay either so this is like a real price which is pretty awesome you know Mm -hmm. and if you're there you have a chance at it you know like that's how i look at it like you're then you're there instead of like on ebay where you know, they give you a week and everybody lines up and then everybody throws money at, at it, you know, but if you're at a toy show and people are like, oh, it's too far or something like that or too early to get up, well, then they're out of line. You know, they're out. Right. You know, so like you're the only, then you're the buyer, you know, and <laughs> it's like nice. And, and like, there's a rush to that too, you know, like, like, I don't, I don't want to find one that's like curated, you know, like I, I want, I want like. I want a blue snaggletooth that looks like a kid had enjoyed when he was a kid and it's got chips, paint chips, Something whatever. Look, looks like you know? it was, it was well played with it. Well loved. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, you know, like that, that whole quality control stuff that happens when people grade figures. I, I don't care. Like, cause I'll, I'll put it up in my big star Wars display of, of items, you know, and he'll probably be doing something goofy in it, you know, like it's just one of them, it's one of those fun things to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, vintage Star Wars is my is my biggest jam. Like that's what I enjoy searching for, you know. And then anything else is just kind of like if it's a neat a neat item, I'm like, oh, I, I didn't know I wanted that, you know. Like some like a you know like a secret one like Speed Racer. It's like oh, I'm a fan. I like Speed Racer, <laughs> but I don't like I don't have a a horde of it. Yeah. I'm like, you're not a collector, but if you see something that piques your interest. Yeah. It's like that, Mm -hmm. you know? So then like, it's mainly like, what, what can I see? And also just because I'm really like, I think I'm just invested in like toy collecting in general that I like to see what people have Mm -hmm. to see what's current and popular. So then like, it's almost like a fact finding mission too, like to go out and see what people are, are hawking. So it is funny that like, and, and I, I'm sure we've had this conversation before on this show at some point. We've been doing this for a dozen years. But, like, you know, all the stuff we had, somewhere along the way, we either got rid of it, lost it, threw it away, and now we're chasing it again. Right. It's just, it's really bizarre, whether it's comics or toys. You know what? One thing, and also, like, the, you go through changes in your life. So, like, one thing that happened for me was I had all this Star Wars stuff in boxes, but I didn't because I lived in an apartment, they were literally like a box, a line of boxes along my wall. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what was in them, you know? So like when I moved into a bigger place, I opened them all. <laughs> and then I was like, Oh, I got to put these on display. And then I'm like, Oh, I don't have that. You know, like, so then I was like going to the toy stores and trying to find the stuff I never bought, you know, or never had when I was a kid. Yeah. And I like, tried to fill in the blanks. Or like I'm like I thought I had an Ewok village, and, and my my mom's like I, my mom's like I don't remember if you had an Ewok you know I know you had one but I don't know what happened to it and I'm like she goes I just remember when you went to college you wanted to get rid of stuff and I'm like that doesn't sound like me I don't get rid of things it probably you know? <laughs> it probably went out on a on a folding table on a weekend yard sale and someone sold you know sold it for a yeah. buck. Right. So then, you know, but years later I end up getting one and I'm like, all right, you know, I'm back, you know, put it back up, set it up. 
Mm-hmm. Then I got to buy all the Ewoks for it, you know, and all that. So next thing you know, you have the entire Forest Moon of Endor in your in your display. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah, I yeah, you definitely you've you you've got me beat on the on the toy display section. I've I've got a few select pieces. I think for me, I, I I'm I'm definitely on the comic display side. Yeah. You know, I've got oh, my the spinner rack. I mean that. Well, that's the thing. That's I, awesome. Yeah, I got the spinner rack, and I like to to showcase. You know, instead of like putting my key issues in a box and putting them away, like I actually put them out so I can see them. I want to yeah. enjoy looking at them. You know, I want to. I mean, like, why do I have this stuff? I mean, yeah, maybe I'm not going to sit there and read it every day, but it's just fun to. Every couple of days, I just i i rotate the spinner rack, and it's it's sitting right in front of my desk, and I can look up and I can just look at all these awesome covers. And then a couple days later, I, you know, I rotate it again and it's fun to look at this stuff, you know, I actually do that because I buy pop figures too. Mostly star Wars, big surprise, (laughs) but I, but I do rotate my collection off the wall. Like, so if I get some new stuff, I, I get to a certain point and then I take down the older stuff. Okay. So that way it's always fresh, you know, like a fresh wall of, stuff to look at so what's uh okay so so you got a big pop collection what would you say and you don't have to say the you know the 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 value but what would you say is your most valuable pop i do have one okay um it's biggs dark lighter from the original star wars movie oh okay he was, he was uh the you old know, luke's friend yeah with the with the with the tom Selleck mustache yeah <laughs> he's the best bush pilot in the in the you know whatever oh yeah he he they they had the, he's in that deleted scene he's in the deleted scene yeah so they made they made four hundred and eighty pops of him and that was it they did it for San Diego and I won it in a raffle I'll just say that I won it in a raffle cool and it's worth quite a bit wow because there's only four hundred and eighty so okay I typically don't go out and buy ones that are like high valued like I you know, it's more like you try to buy the ones that you think are going to become high-valued mm-hmm. someday, and, you know, that's what you try to go for, mostly. If you're, you know, if you're an investment collector, I should say. Uh, the next highest, actually, I can tell you, the next highest one, I think, is Captain Rex, which is crazy, but it, mm. was, a, it was a Hot Topic exclusive. Literally, like, we were waiting at the door. They opened, you know, it was one per customer, and the first six people in the door got one and they never got them in again. Wow. Like, I don't know why it's, it's un, unusual that that would even happen, mm-hmm. but they were just gone that morning from, for everybody. So like that, that pop is now worth like, I think $400. Wow. Because just because of the way it turned out, you know? And it's like, everybody likes Captain Rex from the Clone War cartoons. So that's, mm. That's also like drove the price. So, but I'm like, yeah, no, I got mine and I'm, I'm not getting rid of it, (laughs) (laughs) but if I ever need cash, Hey, yeah, that's, that is, you know, one thing that's nice about, you know, a lot of these collectibles is there's, there's obviously a, a very willing market out there for a lot of this stuff. Yeah. So if we ever, yeah, if you ever find yourself in dire straits and you know, like, Oh, I got to liquidate, some of this nerd stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
You just liquefy a box of stuff and <laughs> yep, good to go. Pay your bills. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, some people would like just buy more stuff. Right. And you know, I, that's what I've kind of, kind of hit a saturation point too with toy shows because I've, I've gotten most of the hard to get things. And then the stuff that I need, that I still am looking for is super hard to get. So I don't even buy at every show anymore. Like a lot of times I just look and I'm like, Oh no, you know, nothing this time. Right. But it's gotten to that point. So you got to go to the hotel, you know, the hotel sales, you know, like at, at star Wars celebration and, you know, hang out in front of a, a, a secret sales room, you know, to get the good stuff now. So like a, like a, like a, action figure speak, like a speakeasy where you got to knock three times yeah. and someone slides back the what's the yeah. password it is like that they're like are you a vendor did you bring things what do you have what do you have you know because <laughs> they you know it's crazy and it's like the you know like they open up a suitcase and there's like action figures in it you know <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> you know guys walking around with an overcoat and he pulls it back instead of watches it's a bunch of like you know action figures hanging yeah. there you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my God. It's real. But yeah. anyway, uh, believe it. This week's episode of comic book pit is brought to you by Thriftburg. Do you need a gift? That's more interesting than a gift card. Are you looking to reclaim a piece of your childhood? Thriftburg is your online stop for all things, vintage and nostalgic. From the 1950s to the 1990s, they have everything from retro kitchen, dining, and barware to action figures, games, books, pop culture, collectibles, and more. Comic Book Pit listeners also get 10% off their purchase of $20 or more with coupon code COMICBOOKPIT. That's all one word, Comic Book Pit. So visit thriftburg.com and check out their hundreds of unique vintage items. All right. Well, we said we wouldn't talk all about toys. True. Right? Because we're we're really jazzed about toys tonight, but we're going to talk about comics too. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, I got one that I'm um, we usually don't do uh, new day and date books. Like we usually don't talk about the stuff that came out the same week that we record. But this came out, and I was really excited about it. Um, but uh, blue and gold number one came out it's uh it's the booster gold and blue beetle team up uh, book geez. it's a it's a limited series i think it's one of six uh written by dan jurgens who is also happens to be the creator of booster gold and drawn by ryan sook which is oh. pretty nice yeah he's you, you, you know he you don't see he's odd i would say He's such a talent, and you just never know what he's going to show up on. And it seems like whatever book he shows up on, it's always some, like, like he could be on, like, if he wanted to be, he could be on probably, like, the number one book, you know, because he's such a talent. Like, he could be on any book he wanted to be, probably. Yeah. You know, but I feel like he he, he really enjoys these kind of like mid to low level books or characters. Like I think before this, he was, he did a bunch of issues of Bendis's Legion of superheroes reboot. Oh, I think he, 
I don't know how many he did, but he like he started the book. I'm sure he didn't stay like stay with it the whole time. Um, but anyways, yeah. So I was surprised to see him on on this uh, blue and gold. And um, I will say that the I really I, I think I really wanted to like it more than I probably did. Although I'll, I'll keep reading it. I'm I'm, I'm going to give it a chance, but you know I've I'm I'm torn because uh, I've been a big fan of the Booster Gold Blue Beetle friendship slash team up since it started back in the days of the mid '80s Justice League, where it was mm-hmm. you know the, the funny yeah the the Bwahaha, the Giffen yeah. Mateus, Kevin Maguire yeah. Um, that was a very specific period of time. And that was a very specific type of book. I mean, you don't just write a humor book like that if you don't have the talent to, to do it. And so, you know, Dan Jurgens is a, obviously he's a, he's a competent creator. He's, you know, he's been around, he's a, he's a competent writer and artist, but I don't feel like he's, you know, he's not top tier. Like no one's going to sit, you know, he, he's never going to be anyone's like, Oh, top 10 comic writers of all time, top 10 comic artists of all time. He's, he's a journeyman, you know, he's got this Mm -hmm. very workman like approach. Like, I feel like, Oh, you need someone to jump in and write five issues of Aquaman called Dan Jerkins. You need someone to jump in and do a draw a fill in issue of action comics called Dan Jerkins. Like he's just that guy. You know what I mean? He's just, did he write, uh, I, I wish Jared was on the episode, but did he write the, did he write Superboy back in the day too? Or no? Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, so he's, he's one of those, probably did. he probably did at some point. Um, he was, uh, aside from creating Booster Gold, he was probably best known for his role in the whole Death of Superman event. He was writing, su- oh. writing and drawing Superman at the time. Like, and I think oh, wow, he yeah. was being inked by. That's right. There was that whole Superman team, like Jurgens, Breeding, Friends. Like they were all, yeah, doing Superman at the time. Oh, Kessel. That's okay. Who wrote it. Okay. But like I think, you know, uh, Jergens wrote. Oh, like like he wrote Green Arrow, when it was rebooted for the New Fifty Two, and and there was nothing great about that book, but it was just, but he wrote it. I think he can just step in and he can write a basic superhero book. Jergens, I remember seeing his name on so many books back in the late eighties. Yeah, it seemed like he was everywhere. So right, and and you know that's nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, that's you know he's he's got a solid career, but he's you know he I would suggest he's older now. I mean, he's maybe like I don't know, like our dad's age or something like that. I mean, he's probably like an older creator, and he's but he's still he's still working, which is great. Um, but this book, it it. <laughs> It felt 
like an older person trying to write young or trying to uh. write for a young audience because it was very, so, so the whole conceit is, um, you know, booster gold is, he's always been this opportunistic character. He's always, you know, trying to, um, make a career or to, you know, find wealth and fame using his celebrity as a superhero. You know, he's, he's very unapologetic about it, you know? And so now we, you know, we, we pick this issue up. He is very much, um, you know, uh, very embedded, let's say with social media in that, you know, he's got his, he's got this, um, robotic, for lack of a better term, let's call him a butler called Skeets. Who's like this little robot Mm -hmm. who flies around and follows him. And he's basically like a Roomba, but, (laughs) but he's sentient and he flies around he follows booster and he films him and basically live streams him on, you know, all over social media and booster is trying to gain followers. And not only that, but like, he's looking at the camera and he's saying, remember, if you support superheroes and want to be safe and secure, be sure to contribute to the, to my account. And, um, and, and, and in every, almost every caption, you see his followers commenting and it's all, you know, like, lol, like LOL and people doing their internet jargon and internet shorthand. And, 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 or people commenting, on his activities or commenting on him. And, and it's, and it's very much like how the internet is, how everyone's basically a jerk or a troll. It just, everything just feels a little pandering. Like it's just too trying to be too spot on with, look at me writing, you know, this uh, internet jargon for this character who's trying to be cool. But it's like, you know what, though? You're you're a comic book writer that's trying to be cool by writing this. I, you know? I think the only thing about that, like that, I I just remembered is that's how comics were written in the '80s too, though. Like even then, you're just like, is is some inner city kid gonna talk like that? Oh yeah, you know, like when it's just like you know. You, oh no, you're, you're has, yeah, you're you're totally right. It's, there's, yeah, like they don't, you know, it's just one of those funny things about comics because they're just like, yeah, I can, you know, I can write anybody, and then it's just like, oh, that sounds terrible, you know, like right. it just sounds doesn't sound like it, it'd it be that person. It's like Dan Jurgens is that Steve Buscemi meme where he's like, "Hello, fellow kids." Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the, the that's other, what it feels like sometimes. Yeah. So the the other awkward thing is because it's a story that's incorporating these fictional social media accounts, they had to come up with like names for them that are just completely ridiculous. So like, instead of PayPal, it's please pay me, but it's spelled P L Z P A Y M E. Like, please pay oh, me. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, a, that's like a whole, like going down a well, like when people, when you have to create, you know, things from real life into a comic book. Mm-hmm. 
but you can't use the names. Like it, it's just it's a little maddening. Yeah, and it, it just feels cheap. Yeah, it's it's like, look, don't give me if I want Oreo, don't give me Hydrox. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, the only one I can think of off the top of my head that I liked was in the Max when when Julie rented a WeHaul. Oh, okay. You know, well, that's. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny, you know. Yeah. It's like you haul, we haul, you know, like that was funny. I feel like this is just it, it, it's a little different because it's because social media is just so such a part of our lives now that it just feels very forced. So like so instead of TikTok, he's got something called Nickdoc. Yeah. I'm assuming well, so instead of Facebook, they've got f- something called FaceBase. And yeah, I'm assuming this is in place of Twitter. It's called Blister, spelled with two S's. And there was something else, too. But it's just... It, I think that kind of stuff, like, I, I, I don't want to read that stuff either. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to read a comic book to be reminded of social media, I think. I'd be like, now I'm out. Like, I wouldn't want to read it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and I don't, I don't need to see like, like one of his followers comments, YOLO, like, I don't, do, do people, no one even says that anymore. Nobody says YOLO anymore. Or if they do, they're saying it to be like ironic or, you know, right. snarky. And uh, like, you know, aside from that, like I said, um, he just doesn't, I, I just don't know that he has the, the comedy chops to write blue beetle and booster gold the same way they were written back in the day. So it's like you can add it, you can incorporate some humor, but you know, it just write it as a straightforward superhero story. You know, don't like it's, they're just, he's trying way too hard. Like I just, he just doesn't have the chops to, uh, so what's your, so what's your final assessment though of the book? Like, is it a, is it a read or no read? It's, you like Ryan. <laughs> it's and well, you like the characters. Yeah, for for me, it's a read for blue for two things for Blue Beetle and for for Ryan Sook because like I mean Blue Beetle is just one of my favorite characters and Ryan Sook. I just you know you, you just don't see enough of his art, so I'm you know it's just it's a great looking book. Yeah. You're sticking around. Yeah, I'm going to stick around for it. But at, at the end of the day, when I when I read this, I thought, you know what I what what they needed to do with it was instead of trying to do this buddy comedy, they needed to to kind of um, go along the lines of Cobra Kai. You know, like like these two guys were. Let's just say like these two. You know, these two guys were hot shit back in the in the 80s. But now it's 30 years later and they find themselves maybe out of touch like Johnny Lawrence in Cobra Kai. So maybe it's them trying to get back a little, what they lost, you know, like, like if you watch Cobra Kai, like Johnny Lawrence, he's not trying super hard to conform to modern times. He's, he accepts it a little bit, but at the end of the day, you have to conform to him. He's not conforming to you. You know, he's still staying. Amen. He's, yeah, he's still staying true to who he is. 
Which you know what's funny, like as we've been talking about Indiana Jones, like on the off the off the air, but um, I that's what I actually said is that is what's wrong with um the Crystal Skull is that they put a '30s adventurer into a '50s setting, but they didn't let the thirty '30s adventurer win his way. Mm-hmm. They made it a '50s movie, and they should have made it an Indiana Jones movie. You know, where he did it his way, mm-hmm. which is punching people in the face. You know, like, real simple. He's a simple guy, you know. Yeah. But ultimately, you want the 30s adventurer to, you know, to be elevated above whatever whatever era it is in. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's, yeah. It's, and it's, yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely, like, along the, yeah, that's, that's kind of along the same lines. Yeah, that's. I, I was going to say, I do feel like, um. You know, with Booster and Blue Beetle, I also feel, I feel the age with them as well. Like, I feel like they're characters that did not, that don't seem like they should still be young. They seem like they should be older. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Where other characters like Superman and Batman and stuff, you know, they kind of reset them and you can accept it. You know, like, oh, oh, you know, Batman's 25 again. Oh, okay. You know. Like they kind of they gloss over it a bit, but they just you know draw them younger, you know, mm-hmm. smoother chin, you know. But like I feel like because you look at Beetle and um, and Booster and like their long history of friendship, you almost feel like you can't you can't jettison the old friendship, you right. know. So then they become older characters, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So that's why I thought they should be like I mean minus the rivalry. It should be like Johnny Lawrence and Daniel LaRusso. Like they, they're still capable, but they're older and they're, you know, and, and, and they've, they've got the advantage of being superheroes for Mm. 20 years, 30 years, whatever, you know, show them maybe butting heads with, or trying to keep up with like a younger group of heroes or maybe, or maybe training the next generation of heroes. And, finding the comedy in that, you know what I mean? Like the, the, one of the funniest lines ever written was in Cobra Kai when he's like, when he's trying to, when Johnny Lawrence is trying to like, like talk internet speak. And he's like, put one of those hash Browns on it and send it to the internet. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, just the, like his complete lack of awareness about modern day and like, you know, technology is hilarious and it's, I'm not saying you have to go that far with it, but like that's, I think that would make a much better story to read than this kind of forced comedy routine that Dan Jurgens is trying to write. So, but like I said, at the end of the day, I'm still going to read it because there are elements to it that I really enjoy, you know, and I, I understand like, yeah, he created booster gold he kind of writes booster goal to be like completely intolerable. So I don't know what that's all about, but it's, it's annoying. So hopefully that changes a little, but it does seem like no, you know, like booster gold might be the most unlikable hero. Yeah. In, in DC because he just having read some of the other stuff, like when they did, I can't remember it from a year ago where booster gold was set up, was framed for murder in that one book. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, I, I, no, not identity crisis. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that it? I think that was it. No, I, I yeah, think Crisis was something. Uh, this is something. Uh, crap. I'm going to. I got to look it up. But, now. Go ahead. Yeah, but basically, it just seems like Booster's. Booster's just not. He's just not a likable guy because he does things his own way and he doesn't really check in to see if there's a you know like a moral compass he doesn't doesn't seem like he has one he just seems like he's like i'm gonna be a hero and i'm gonna do it this way and he mm-hmm. he doesn't really he doesn't care if it's if it's hero if he does it heroically as long as it's perceived that way i think like which is kind of interesting you know mm-hmm um, but yeah, he does seem like an unlikable of the superheroes. He's very unlikable among the superheroes. <laughs> they either barely tolerate him or yeah, they just find him completely ridiculous. They, they or can he, that, They can play off of that because he's just I like think like huckster. on the opposite, Blue Beetle is, is a, seems like a likable dude. Everybody probably likes him. Like he's invited to all the parties, you know, the Justice League. <laughs> but then Booster's like, and they're like, oh, you know, why'd you have to bring Booster? You know, like. <laughs> well, what's 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 funny is which makes it for a fun dynamic. At at the end of the well, p- part of this story was Booster and Beetle uh, saving the the Justice League from this. Uh, the, these aliens had abducted them. And so they successfully, you know, save them and re- repel the alien ship, and and they're on the ground and they're kind of re- like gathering and like kind of figuring things out. And Booster like walks away to say like, "Oh, I gotta go post something on whatever. I'll be right back." And the rest of the league, they're like, "Okay, look, we wanted to wait till Booster was gone. We wanted you to, you know, we we need someone of your talents, and we would really like to." offer you membership in the league. Um, and he Beatles like, Oh great. Uh, I can't wait to tell booster we're back in. And they're like, no, 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 no. We just want you. Right. They're like, we don't want booster. And, and right. Beatles like, I'm sorry, but no booster, no beetle. And, and that was it, you know, Whew. anyway, so that, yeah, like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll keep going with it. See what happens. All right. What do you got? Um, and I, well, I don't think I think because it's been a it's been a while since we've been on, but I I don't think we've talked about the nice house on the lake. No, that does not sound familiar. The nice house uh, on the lake. Hit. Okay. The nice house on the lake. It's the sleeper hit of 2021. Hmm. I, I I promise you, it it is the sleeper hit. Okay. Um. You know, like, but it's by James Tinian the Fourth. So, you know, the writer of Batman. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy that is killing it on Batman, and he's also writing Department of Truth, which I which I love. Um, which is probably my favorite book right now. Um, so I had to try out the house on nice house on the lake because it had his name on it, and I was like, let's. And it's supposed to be like a. You know, like kind of like a Stephen King comic book. You know, like a horror, kind of horror, horror type story. And I was like, normally not my jam, but uh, I was like, let's let's give it a whirl. 
because something that so I'll give you the premise. And and also it's it's two issues in, so I'm gonna spoil the first issue. So just warning for everyone. But if you you know, issue two is already on the stands. Okay. Um so issue one kind of opens with uh, this girl uh, who's an artist and gives kind of like her uh, she's like the narrator and she's like, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to think when I met this guy, you know, and she's like talking about this guy that she knows and this guy would ask her about the end of the world and how she would want it to, to go. And he's like, and she's like, I don't know. But like over the years, they would have this conversation about how the world would end or how it should end. And he's like, always weird about it. Well, then he finally decided to invite uh, a number of people to this house on the lake. And he was like, um, which I believe that he invited 12, 12 of his friends or acquaintances. And when they got there, they were having a good time. And then somebody decided to finally look at their phone and the entire world was burning. Mm. So like it's literally the apocalypse is happening while they're at this nice house on the lake. <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> they're like, this dude invited us. Well, then they realized that this guy is not a human at all. And like, it's like a, an alien conspiracy of, uh, who know they're like these fourth dimensional aliens that planned out this, this end of humanity. But this guy had a soft spot for these 12 people. And he was like, no, I, I provided for you. But so now they're all just living there, you know, and they can't go anywhere. And, um, and that's the premise of the whole 12 issues then is like, how do these final 12 human beings like survive? You know, like, what hmm. do they do? You know? Interesting. And, um, and, you know, and, and also the mystery of this guy, like, why did he decide to save them? You know, if they were going to kill everyone anyway. And, um, you know, is this, you know, is it just another test? You know, are they, are they what, you know, because he basically indicated to them that they could live, they could live there till, you know, till they die of natural causes. And then that would be the end of humanity. You know, but he basically was like, no, I like you guys. I'm going to let you live. But but I feel like I feel like he has ulterior motives. So I feel like there's actually even more going on and why he picked these 12. And um, so I was like, it's a it's a nutty book because like you don't know that until you get kind of get to the end of it that you're like, holy crap, this guy, because I had to go back and reread it. To, to see where the hits were mm-hmm. in the first issue. Okay. And and they do this like quick cast. So they, they kind of go down and they they cover there's these twelve people, but they also earmark when he met them. So then like there there's like clues about who each character is. So the first issue featured the artist and then the second issue featured another character. And I believe with every issue they're gonna feature one of these one of these humans, but like, so it still moves in real time, but, but with each issue, there's a new narrator. And I'm like, this is, this book's insane. Hmm. Like I was like, all right. 
I'm gonna have to keep reading. <laughs> <laughs> and the art, the art's really good. Um, it's uh, someone I wasn't familiar with, but it's Alvaro Martinez Bueno, and he's also credited as co-creator. Okay, yeah. Um, looking at it, this is coming out from DC. Yeah, it's like cool. And basically, when uh, it's kind of cool because the book start he he does it he plays it very straight art wise, like you know hey you know this is just like a human thing, and then when the alien goes like fourth dimensional, it's you know kind of hits you like in the brain that you're like wait what is going on in this, and I'm like it's successful you know like in in telegraphing you know to you to you the reader. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, okay. And that's what I always liked about Department of Truth, too, is that it it has a way of really getting, like, stuck in your brain and you can't, you got to think about it for a while. And I feel like this book does that as well. Nice. So, yeah, that sounds really interesting. I'm going to have to check that out. I, I did not, yeah. did not, uh, was not aware of that one. So I'm going to. It was, a, and, and that's why I say it was a sleeper hit because I actually, I'm going to give a little shout out to um, to someone that's, yeah, to, new to the area, new comic shop, um, which I forgot their names now. The um, <laughs> I'm not going to give them a shout out. <laughs> uh, you were that close. You almost got a oh, shout out. Four Horsemen. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're they're from Morgantown. Yeah, they're in the mall at Robinson, right? They're now in the mall at Robinson, and what was cool is, well, that book was blowing out because people were speculating on the first issue and buying it up. I, I just casually walked in there and bought my first issue. <laughs> so, you know, because nice. I was like, oh, nobody knows about this yet. So, uh, but yeah, I guess the first issue was a, a hot commodity because of the, the speculation, which is a still a problem. But, uh, but yeah, good book. Recommended. Um, definitely a mature reader kind of book. Okay. And, I think that, um, is that a black label or is that from that? Um, yep. Is that it's black label? Um, is that imprint still running? That was it called like Hill House. Um, oh, from DC. That was, was that? That was from Joe Hill, right? Who is Stephen yeah, King's son, right? Hill's. Yep, yep. So I didn't know if that I was part of that or. Running. Okay. And I, I didn't know if that was still if that was part of DC or not. If Hill. Was it? Yes, it was. It was an it was okay. an imprint published by DC, but it was called Hill House Comics. Okay. Like it, essentially, it was kind of a Vertigo esque, but I think right. it, you know it leaned more towards horror because it's Joe Hill. Yeah, it did. Yeah, I kind of got, I kind of got bummed out with the uh, the cape. Like he did the cape, and it was very interesting at first to find out, you know, the guy. Spoilers, people, but no, the um that he turned out to be a villain. Mm-hmm. And, but then like he reads later issues and then he's just horrible, <laughs> you know? So it was like, Oh, well this is just the guy being violent now, you know, like right. it's not interesting, you know, like this isn't interesting. This is horrible. Playing out like some sort of like, like, yeah, some sort of fantasy, like, Oh, what if you were, what if you got powers, but were like a complete asshole. That's basically what it was. So then, like they show, like where in the original book it showed him kind of descending into it, mm-hmm. but like the follow-up 
book was just him being just eat pure evil, you know, and it was like, okay, you know, like what, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if you, um, I don't know if, if you're much into aliens, I picked up aliens aftermath. It's a one shot from, from Marvel, obviously, cause they have the, the aliens franchise, uh, property now oh. written by Benjamin Percy art by our very own Dave Wachter. Oh, and I didn't realize this, but the movie aliens, like the sequel, um, with the colonial Marines and all that, like the, the, the action packed James Cameron alien movie. Uh, yeah. this is, this year is the 35th anniversary of that movie coming out. So they did a one shot kind of celebrating it and where a, a team of people go back to that planet 35 years after the events of that movie. Oh. It's, you know, it's been 35 years since the tragedy of, of, uh, uh, Hadley's hope, which was, that's what they called it, but it was, um, the corporation called it LV four, two, six. It's, it's, it's kind of a, almost like an urban myth. Like what happened was, you know, this people were aware of LV four, two, six. Then the next thing, you know, the, the corporation, the, um, Wayland corporation just basically wiped all evidence of it. Like they, they basically pretended like it just never existed. Like oh, not yeah. like there's, there's no, no records of it. There's nothing, um, anything associated with LV four, two, six is either been destroyed or hidden or whatever. So this is a, a small team of like rogue journalists, like whatever the equivalent is of like a freelance journalist is, uh, in the year 2214, they're kind of like a, like a group of people that specifically love to stick it to the corporate, you know, their corporate overlords. So they, 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 they found, um, they found LV two, uh, four, two, six, and they are, you know, they, they land on it. They want to find some, some answers. And it turns out there's a, uh, there's a personal, connection whereas one of the 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 nephew of one of the colonial marines that died um in the movie is a character in this book and he's wow. he's part of the team going to check it out so um so as you can imagine i mean things go sideways i mean it's just it's it's bad i mean it's it's it, it's just one issue but it it leaves it open for a for a lot, you know, they, they could definitely tell more stories. The, the planet is completely wrecked because it was, you know, they essentially set off like a, whatever, a 50 megaton nuke at the end of the movie. Uh, so the entire planet is just in like this nuclear winter. It's, huh. you know, just, and the, um, you know, when the, uh, aliens wake up there, it's really interesting. They're, they're, basically glowing like they're not the typical like how we're used to seeing them like the shiny black scaly yeah. like it they still kind of look the way they look but they are I, I you know i guess it's they're radioactive essentially i is what i'm guessing they're like 
this kind of greenish and they're glowing and it's really it's it, it like visually it's great it's you know um dave did an amazing job on this book and i'm excited i i think he's slated to do more alien stuff which i'm kind of excited about oh, cool. but um this was just uh yeah th- this was great this was a, this was a fun uh just a fun one shot like i said if you're a fan of um aliens the movie uh this is a fun follow-up yeah and like i said like it's i think it's you know it's cool for us because we've got that local connection you know dave yeah dave wachter i mean he's just he keeps just i mean upping his game elevating yeah Yeah, he keeps elevating his game with every every project um you know I, i i still haven't had a chance to uh talk about you know his uh, his Iron Fist miniseries. I, I think know. I, I think I might have mentioned like I think I might have talked about the first issue when it came out, but I wanted to, I wanted yeah. to hold off and talk about. You know what? I haven't actually, uh, and that's that's on me. But I haven't read the back half of it yet, so I've only think I've read ha- like three issues. Uh, I'm the same. I I was i was um holding off until it was it was complete and then i was going to just read like read it from beginning to end that's what i was going to do too but it's uh yeah this but this uh aliens aftermath like i said it's it's a one shot it's a fun it's a fun read uh like i said it, it has a direct connection to uh aliens which is cool because you know i i don't know that they've ever i mean there's a lot of alien stuff out there so i don't know if this is 100 percent sure or not maybe someone can school me on it but i don't know if there was ever any anything that was like a direct follow-up to that movie but if you're looking for something this is it um i got i think probably just do one more yeah like i'll just do one because well i've just seen the time there but um but, uh, so I picked up Fantastic Four Life Story. Oh, okay. Um, did you read this? Um, I believe I read the first two issues. Okay. So, uh, or maybe just, uh, so I, so I really enjoyed, I'll just start with, I really enjoyed Spider-Man Life Story. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I forget, it was that Chip's. Yeah, Chip Zdarsky. Chip Zdarsky. Mm-hmm. And um, I really enjoyed his his telling of that, and you know, and like seeing Peter Parker kind of age through the years and all that. So like, I get into Fantastic Four, and it you know it starts in the '60s, much like you know it's supposed to follow like basically the age of the comic books, but in in real time, you know, like in so they would age as well. Mm-hmm. So like. I felt like they missed the mark on that immediately, which by the way, that was Mark Russell uh, writing it. But I felt like he, he didn't capture that same kind of feeling that I got from Spider-Man. Like I felt like um, that this was just an average story. Um, and they did it like, cause I felt like they didn't characterize them very much in it. So I was like, where's, like, the hits? You know, like, where's the, you know, in the 60s, 
Fantastic Four, like, where, what are the big events? You know, like, where are they? And, and they didn't really get into them in this book like I thought they would. Um, and, you know, I was just kind of like, oh, okay. You know, so, like, they're going to move on, you know, and I haven't read the second issue yet, but they're going to move into the 70s, and I'm like, well, they, I feel like they have to really make up ground already. You know, yeah. like if each issue, each issue is a decade, it's going to be, they're going to have to really speed it up, you know, like what, but I don't know, you know, I just, I just felt like it felt very, um, vanilla, you know, like a very vanilla telling, mm-hmm. um, of them, of their time in the sixties. And it didn't seem like it, um, it, you know, like it didn't I don't know. It just didn't seem like they hit the hit the personality marks like I thought they should have. Hmm. So, I don't know. I was like kind of bummed, but but that said, I'm gonna still keep reading it because I am interested to see where it goes because I'm I'm in I'm kind of invested in it as a series, and I'm not gonna judge it on just one book. You know, like I'm not gonna be like, oh, it's out. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm gonna give it give it time. To mar- you know, marinate and see see how it turns out. Okay. So, yeah, I guess I, I don't know. You're yeah, I I, I see what you're saying because like the for the specifically for the Fantastic Four, I mean they were the in the '60s. I mean they were the book that basically st- started the Marvel universe, and right. So so many of their formative years and stories were in the '60s. I mean that, that. I mean everything happened in the '60s. Now, I understand. Like in this first issue, I think we get a. I guess like the the threat is somehow like it's Galactus, sort of like Reed has a vision of Galactus, but at the, but he also, in doing so, like he, like he actually attra- like what like he attract um, he makes Galactus aware of earth now or something because of it. So, yeah, but so now it's like, okay, so now we have to, we have to wait for Galactus. Like, but you know, so many, so many things happen in the sixties. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah, because it's so it's kind of crazy. Like, I guess because that, you know, like, so they, that's what it is. They tease Galactus in this issue, but then like, I don't know the dates, I, you know, I'm a bad comic book person, I guess, <laughs> but wasn't it issue 50, right? With Galactus. And like, that was about when he hit, you know, like it was 48, 49, 50. Yeah. Cause that was somewhere around there because they introduced like, Silver Silver Surfer, Surfer. watcher Galactus, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Right. So just if this publication came out, you know, 12, 12 per year, that's only four years of comic books. And, like, so I'm reading this one, which is supposed to be the 60s. Did, what year did they start? You know, like, it, or does Galactus not appear until 1970? Like, am I, I don't know. Like, I'm like, wait a minute. It just feels like maybe that should have been in there. I don't know. I can tell you. Give me a second. I can like, how much stuff happened in the first 50 issues that they couldn't even get to it, <laughs> I guess is what I'm saying. I know I'm probably just sound like an old man now, like yelling at things. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Forty-eight, 
49 and 50 were in 1966. There, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying is like, why isn't that in the first issue? If these, if you're covering the 60s, why isn't it in there? You know. Not only that, but I mean, they, I mean, all the other things that they, um, you know, Black Panther, the Inhumans, Submariner. I, like I mean, Frightful Four. I mean, so many things happen in the 60s. Right. They rolled all that stuff out. Like, I want to know if, if the 70s sucked for the Fantastic Four, then the second issue should be that kind of give it that, you know, you're, you're summarizing that feeling in the 70s then, you know, so mm-hmm. that second issue should just be the 70s. Like the first issue should have been the 60s, but it seems like it's bleeding over already. And they, and they barely even really did any characterization. They wasted a lot of time on their, um, you know, their mission into space. But just, I'm just still like, well, that's just a retell of like the first three pages of, you know, <laughs> right. whatever. I don't know. I was just like, this doesn't sound this, like the beats don't feel right at all is what my problem was with it. So that said, though, I'm still going to like hang in there because I want to see if they write the ship because I, you know, there's other things about the Fantastic Four that I care about. Mm-hmm. Like, I would love to see how are they going to handle that when when the four, the four are no more and they have the new Fantastic Four for three issues. You know, with a Ghost Rider. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, well, are they going to cover that? Like, that should be in there. I, I, you know? I, I guess maybe, in, you know, with this format, because maybe it was the same. I, It's been so long since I've read the, the Spider-Man life story, but I guess you, you just have to kind of pick and choose, you know, for, for, this, oh, for, sure. for this story format, you just have to pick and choose. But if you think about, for instance, like Spider-Man, though, they were like, they're like Spider-Man in the eighties. They're like, what happened? And they're like Craven the hunter. So like, that's what it was about mm-hmm. because you're, you're instinctively remember that that was when Craven had his last hunt thing and how big that was. And then like the nineties was like, you know, venom in the black suit and the clone, you know, I think was the clone part. Mm-hmm. That was huge. So like he also Chip also went back and made sure that he referenced that stuff early enough, you know, to have um, the guy you know get the DNA from Peter Parker. You know, it's so, like when you're reading an older issue one or two of of that one, you know, and then it plays out, you know, in the in the right decade where it actually happened. Right. And it's like that's you know so when they hit, and even when they hit the. Uh, you know, the 20, like the, the 2010s, the 2020, mm-hmm. it was a little more, it was a little hard to hold on to because now Spider-Man's like 80 years old or whatever he is, you know, but he's still going to do the same things that happened in his book. Mm-hmm. So like Carnage is out there, you know, like, and, yeah. you know, things are going on with that. I was like, this is pretty cool, you know? I don't know if this one's going to do that. Like, I, I just don't feel like it's going to pull it off. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I guess the only thing, you know, we have to maybe hopefully have faith in, in Mark Russell because he's a he's a pretty, 
he's great. Yeah, he's a, he's a pretty competent writer, and he's pretty good with you know taking something and flipping it on its head. So maybe he is good at he's a good. Um, and that's what I thought too. Is I thought Mark Russell had a very good handle on Marvel history. But but reading it, I feel like it's it's coming off very, um, you know, like a like a overview, mm-hmm. you know, instead of more like characterized. I guess I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll change my mind someday. Yeah, well, you have to you have to keep us updated and see uh, mm-hmm. see what you think. I'll, so. I I I kind of had forgotten about it. I I do want to. Uh, I want to read the second issue because I I did read the first yeah. one and I I guess I didn't really have I mean I thought it was okay I didn't have like a super strong opinion on it um like you know like uh, you have but um, I thought it was just you know it was interesting enough for me to maybe you know follow up with another issue but you know yeah so we'll we'll have to uh, we'll have to keep an eye on it yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, hopefully we riled somebody up at home, you know, that's like, no, I really liked it, you know, so I don't know. Okay, well, um, I guess anything else, or should we start wrapping it up? We can wrap, I think we wrap it up. Okay. I think we're over the hour mark, so let's... Yes, for sure, for sure. Call it. Okay, well, if you've made it this long, thanks for listening to <laughs> this episode of Comic Book Pit. Also, big thanks to all of our sponsors, uh, Pittsburgh Comics, Thriftburg, and New Dimension Comics. Also, special shout-out to Colin at Pittsburgh Comics. And we just wanted to say we're, we're thinking about you and wish you nothing but the best. If you're in or around the, you know, in, out, out in the South Hills, stop and you know, show some love to Pittsburgh Comics and the guys that are helping Colin out while he is he is uh, resting up show those guys some love that it's a great shop out there so i mean yeah go see uh go see pat you know for for the old timers in uh pittsburgh you know he used to run time tunnel <laughs> comics yep um it, it was so great i walked in there recently and to see pat behind the counter again i was I was like, yeah, you know, like it fit, you know, <laughs> like he was like slinging. He's like, I'd rather be in the basement, which was kind of funny because, <laughs> uh, but he's, he was, uh, he was man in the, you know, the front, the front cannons, you know, like I was like, mm-hmm. all right. So yep. that kind of took me back to, that was kind of cool to see, see Pat there. Yeah. Yeah. Pat, you know, he was, he was my, my, my first, uh, comic book retailer and, been friends ever since so he's a he's a great guy and i I will say this is something i've been thinking about um and and it's like there's like a hierarchy of in comics you know especially in pittsburgh and like how you know um you see the same people over the years and it's kind of cool to to have that sort of intertwined uh you know friendships with with people Mm -hmm. um you know you knew Pat when you were young and uh, you know, you still know him. I mean, yeah. I know him. I'm, I've met him through you more. I probably more, more so. And, um, you know, and then to have, you know, it's like you, you know, a familiar face comes back, you know, from the, from the basement, you know, <laughs> to the, <laughs> to the top side. Um, uh, so it's cool. And it's like, uh, you know, I think of it as, um, 
like a pantheon or a royalty kind of thing. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, I, we may or may not have mentioned it on the air, but we lost, uh, you know, one of the, the godfathers, one of the, the elder gods of, uh, comics, you know, with, uh, I, Oh, with Greg. Yeah. Greg eyed. Yeah. And, you know, and I, and that's what got me thinking about it. I was like, the dude was like, the dude was like Odin in, in Pittsburgh, you know, he was Odin. You know, and like the mm-hmm. each stores that each store that was born out of that, you know, out of the love for the comics was like, you know, one of his children. And, you know, the. Yeah, it's just one of the things like you look down and like how everybody kind of intertwines out of this. Uh, yeah. You know, this love for the for the media. <laughs> it's like so. it's like on the on um on the show Lost whenever they would show flashbacks to how people got on the island and they would show flashbacks to their regular life. And what, what you, what nobody knew is what like this one character cross path with like four other characters and yeah, yeah. they didn't know it until they got on the well, Island. I think, and I feel like, you know, we both, um, we both had the honor of having Wayne wise, you know, uh, host our, Post our wedding. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, efficient. Uh, well, we didn't marry each other, just to be clear. <laughs> we, yeah. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. Scott. Scott and I did not marry each other, uh, but our respective yeah. marriages. Uh, yeah. Wayne was. Uh, well, he was the efficient for both of them. And 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 that's what I mean is like it's like a royalty, um, you know that like, you know because we were like Wayne's like comic book royalty, you know. Mm-hmm. But like in a way, he really is because he goes, you know, what's his his connection back to the source, you know, back to Ides and Greg is yeah. like one step away, you know, like one maybe one and a half steps away, and and you know, and like everyone, it's almost like everyone has e- either been been friends with or has worked for everyone else. Like, oh yeah, I know at one point, um, Pat, uh like Pat worked for new dimension comics and he was a manager of a couple stores and, and Wayne was, you know, years ago had worked for new dimension comics. And then, um, recently, right before the, the pandemic went back to, to work for them. And then, you know, unfortunately then the pandemic hit and ended that, but like, but everyone, it's like, everyone has worked or like I said, or has been friends with, like you did, someone <laughs> if you drew it up yeah if you drew it up like a family tree it would be epic you know like yeah. there's this like the, the the intertwined connections are just epic you know yeah so. like who knows like yeah like the who knows who and like the yeah like you said the, the connections between people and i mean and really it, it, it it's such a small but tight-knit community of people not like you know not just retailers but artists and creators and i mean it's just oh yeah then there's a yeah that's what i mean is then it grows out you know i'm just talking in retail retail but, then, but like, yeah artists and you know creative forces you know that go on mm-hmm. pretty awesome yeah i mean we've and, and and we've mentioned it before but i i think we're just you know this area is just so blessed to have the the community the the comics community that it has um you know it's and, and i'm sure you know there are other cities you know we're probably not uh you know 
not alone, but you know, it's, it's, it's a good feeling to have that, to, to know that you can walk into just about any store and it's like a, almost like a, uh, like an embassy. Like you can, yeah. like you can walk in and you know, it's a good place to go. You know, it's safe. You know that the owners are not jerks or, you know, dirt yeah. bags or, you know, intolerant people. Like everyone is, you know, it's, it's, it's a good area. It's, it, it's a good area yeah. for comic retailers. Oh, for sure. Yep. Yeah. So sorry. I went off on a tangent there, but no, it's I mean, it's a, you know, yeah. It's a good. It's a good note to end on. We. Um, it's a nice, uh, nice kind of way to end the show. Kind of on a up, like a uplifting note. Yeah. So, well, um, okay. Well, thank you for listening again to this episode. This is episode three eighty six of the Comic Book Pit. I'm Dan. And I'm Scott. The the uh, toy toy master general. Toy master general. That's right. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.